If a Christian doesn't pray about heaven, that's a remarkable lack. Who ever heard of exiles not thinking about home? Now, I said, that's exactly what the rosary is. We are in a new moment of time and a new moment of space. So we keep saying to our Lord and to the Blessed Mother, I love you, I love you. That's the Holy Rosary. That's the Catholic faith. The whole Catholic faith is in it. Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. We've got a prayer request today uh, from our old friend Cast Iron, longtime listener. He's got a friend who is a former apostate and has returned to the faith, but he is concerned that he's not taking Advent as seriously as he should. So I'd like to pray for him. Uh, he says that he have, that he have a, a severe Advent, which is a rather nice word that in the original sense does mean grave and, and serious, which Advent should be, all these seasons should be. So I want to pray for him and, and for his well-being. Uh, and uh, I hope that y'all will keep cast iron in your prayers as well. He's a good man, good Christian man. And the concern that he's showing for his friend here, I think, is um, more essentially Christian. It sounds it sounds not very nice to say it, really, you know, to say, oh, he's come back to the faith. I hope he takes, you know, it's he, rather than celebrating it, uh, there's a celebration involved in it. Thank, thank God anyone who comes back to the faith has come back. But when they come back to the faith, it's important that you pray that they've come back to the faith in its fullness. And our faith is a severe faith. It expects things of us, places responsibilities on us. It helps us to lift them, but that doesn't mean that the responsibilities aren't there. So it's a good prayer, I think, to pray for a severe season of penance on one who is coming back into the faith. So let's go ahead and, and pray for that. Now, if you have a prayer request of any kind, you can send it in to our email address at dailydecadrequests at protonmail.com. That's decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at protonmail.com. Uh, and you can also drop a line on the website, praytherosaryeveryday.wordpress.com. You can comment on uh, where we're syndicated over at exodusamericanus.com. Uh, you can, let me see, uh, send a message to at the Daily Decade on Gab. And, of course, reach out to me at Mario Goretti at nobodyhasthe.biz if you're on the Fediverse. Now, let's go ahead and turn our hearts and our minds to God, get our rosaries out, and pray for this nameless servant of God who has returned to the faith and uh, that he should take his faith seriously having come back bearing in mind that passage of scripture when Christ uh, heals the man and go forth and sin no more lest something worse befall thee now today is a Thursday so we will pray in English Incidentally, I've already recorded this, and I accidentally started praying in Latin anyway. It's funny how habits play that, that role. But we are going to pray in English. 
let's put ourselves in the in the presence of God first. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping from this veil of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us. And after this, our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, 
that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Thomas Becket, great martyr of the faith, we beg thy intercession in humility, knowing that thou didst experience a great conversion, and though a Christian lived your life unseriously in your youth, surrounded by plenty and by those influences which draw a man to the world and away from God. You do set us an example of one who in a moment might experience that inner conversion and turn to God with such severity and such gravity and such devotion as to become a great saint to your whole people. We humbly pray that by thy intercession before the throne of the true King, Jesus Christ, that thy example should shine forth upon this servant of God and that he should reflect thy severity in religion and be rewarded as thou wast rewarded to be an exemplar to his people however great however small and lead those around him to Christ and we ask this in the name of the same Jesus Christ who livest and reignest with God the Father and the Holy Ghost one God world without end Amen for all of us struggling to follow the example of the saints, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, we're moving quite along here among the sorrowful mysteries, and we've come now to the sorrowful mystery, which is perhaps the most central, and certainly the one that has afforded me the most reflection, which is the path to Calvary. Walking the path of Calvary, there's, there's a lot of different reflections that we can take on this, really. It's, uh, there's, there's so much. Now, all the mysteries of the Rosary are incredibly rich. You can approach them from multiple directions and come up with a new reflection every time you pray the Rosary, even if you pray it every day. Uh, that's part of the beauty of it, is that there is such depth and you can start again at the surface and work your way down, in, in, almost like drilling boreholes. You know, you can start at a different point in the surface, and you can draw out a slightly different core sample every single time that you dive into or drill into one of the mysteries. And I, I think the 
the path to Calvary is one of the richest in large part because it is an actual event that nevertheless serves as such a rich metaphor for our entire spiritual life. As you know, and as I've mentioned before, I've been reading uh, Father Chatard's The Soul of the Apostolate. It's, a, it's on my reading that one, and The Story of a Soul, and The Imitation of Christ. Uh, there's, there's a couple of books that are all floating around kind of at the same time. But I've been reading through this book in particular, and it's a... Uh, it's an excellent work. I really recommend it. I don't know that it serves the same. It's. It was recommended to me as a as a reflective text, but I feel that it's a bit more of an active text. It's less theological than, say, the Imitation or the Spiritual Combat or any number of those other manuals, spiritual manuals that you can read. It's a little bit more instructive of uh, the way one lives rather than. Uh, well, it's now it's hard to describe, but there's a lot of really excellent uh, information in it. I was marked, or I was, I was, I marked, I, I was struck particularly by uh, an example that I read recently on these two orphanages that uh, were being operated. I forget what town they were being operated in, but they had. Uh, they had produced several classes of graduating girls. They were the orphanages of girls. And for a number of years, they were under strict supervision because the children that they were producing were, by and large, falling into a life of dissipation. Now, you have one or two fervent souls that came from a class, but the rest of them fell into really just the worst of all possible lives, uh, lives that Unfortunately, one associates with children that grow up as orphans and unfortunately gave a lot of orphanages the reputation that they got, which led to them being shut down. You, know, you see all sorts of films with orphanages in them, and it's amusing kind of to see them because they simply don't exist anymore, really, to speak of. Especially in the United States, they've almost been completely replaced. But there was a time when they really did serve a great purpose, and they and the the miracle that they can work is is apparent in here. In both cases, the orphanages had a central figure replaced. In one of them, the mother superior of the sisters that was that were running the orphanage was replaced, and in the other, the chaplain was replaced. And those who were observing noted the sudden change that took place with these two replacements. Both orphanages began to produce entire classes of, uh, of girls being released at the age of majority who were all devout in the faith, some of them going into religious life, all of them living devout Catholic lives after being released from the orphanages, just night and day between the old and the new. And the argument that Father Chatard makes here is that it's the example that's set by one who has an interior life and therefore exudes it, the holiness of an interior life in his active ministry or in her active ministry in the case of the Mother Superior. And it shows the degree to which when one works with God within, it truly is like, like St. Paul says, it is not I who live, 
but Christ who liveth in me. And when Christ lives in us, we can do all things. We can affect miraculous changes in the world around us because it is no longer our frail human will, but rather the will of God that actually acts through us. We become instruments. And St. Therese of Lisieux talks about this becoming a plaything of God. And she talks about the baby Jesus with this little, she wants to be this, this little ball that he can play with. And, and it doesn't matter what he does with it. And uh, this, is, this is a reflection when she was told that she couldn't enter Carmel at the age of 15. And she had reflected that all he wanted to do was poke a little hole in that ball and throw it aside and go to sleep. Well, hopefully he's dreaming of that little ball that he played with. That's her, that's her reflection. That's the mark of a, of a great saint. That's part of why you, you read through St. Therese, and if you didn't know that she was a saint, some of the things she says are, wow, that's a... Uh, if I said that, that would be incredibly arrogant. You know, you get that sort of sense of it. It's only because we know that all of her feelings are genuine and that they come from a place of sanctity rather than from a human place that we, that we know that what she's saying is saintly. It's really striking. And this particular, this example is one of those. It's, you, it's a mark of sanctity to be content with simply being a, a, a plaything of God. God working through us can do amazing things with us. There's another passage in the uh, book that I'm reading where he talks about, and I forget who the quote is. I don't think it's the Curé d'Ars. It's, um, it might be St. Francis de Sales. De Sales? It might be, be St. Francis. He, he comments that... Uh, if a, if a priest is a saint, then the people in the parish will be fervent. If a priest is fervent, the people will be pious. If the priest is pious, the people will be lukewarm. And if the priest is lukewarm, the people will be profligate. The example that's served by a holy person in a position of authority is tremendous because of the will that is acted through them. Christ led, well, see, it's hard to make the comparison because he's God, you know. But nevertheless, the crucifixion, which really should have killed off Christianity, like the whole thing should have just imploded at the crucifixion, because it really is a moment of final defeat. It is, it is truly, on the outside looking in, a moment of complete disaster and complete collapse for all of the apostles, any faithful disciples that are left. And now in the East, they divide the apostles into the 12 and then the 70. All of them should have looked at the situation and said, well, that was that, I guess. But not only did it not do that, it actually managed to convert some people. Two people were saved at the foot of the cross who had no knowledge of Christ's doctrine. St. Dismas was crucified on the right hand of Christ, and St. Longinus, the centurion, at the foot of the cross, 
completely outside, for all intents and purposes, insofar as the church had been founded. Uh, really, we, we mark the birthday of the church at Pentecost, but really the, for me, the foundation had been laid already. Two people who were completely outside of that foundation, had nothing to do with the structure at all, looked at this situation and were brought in, converted on the spot. And there are many others who, when the apostles began to preach, no doubt remembered what had happened a a month or so prior to their preaching and came to the church as a result and formed the basis of the early church. And it was by, not only by the divinity of Christ, but by the example that his will uh, demonstrates in in the walk of Calvary, in the walk to Calvary. The Stations of the Cross illustrate what Christ went through, but in some cases, especially regardless of whether you're doing the version by St. Francis or by St. Alphonsus, in both cases, it is somewhat obscured the degree to which Christ made it to the top of the hill on willpower alone. And the agony, from the agony through the scourging to the crowning with thorns and and the way of the cross in this fourth mystery, all of it is a manifestation of the power of the divine will. In the 19th century, you have a lot of philosophers running around talking about willpower. Schopenhauer is one of these. He, he wrote a whole book, uh, Die Welt als Will und Idee, as the, the, the world is will and ideology, or the world is will and idea, depending on the translation you're working with. And he looked at Buddhism and said, everything is willpower. Nietzsche looked at it and said, yes, everything is willpower, and you can become a god if you just use your will. Everything is the will. Well, the human will can't do that. But what they were hitting upon was something that had been lost in the societies that they lived in, which is that the will of God within us, when we harness the will of God, or rather when we allow the will of God to harness us, We can do everything, and it is through willpower. If you look at St. Alphonsus' description of what Christ looked like after the scourging, it simply isn't humanly possible for him to have done what he did to get up that hill. So severely was he beaten. Now remember, 39 lashes is one lash short of a death sentence. And how many were given the 40-lash death sentence and died long before they reached 40? The Romans would have no problem beating a dead corpse. Beating a corpse. There's no other kind of corpse, is there? And yet Christ underwent that, and and then the mocking and everything that went along with the crowning of thorns, being dragged out in front of the crowd again, being dragged up to the hill, having the cross thrown on his back, he made it up the hill anyway. And on the hill, on the, we'll talk about this tomorrow when we do the crucifixion, but when Christ finally expires, he does so of his own will and accord. Now, they handed the cross off to Simon of Cyrene for fear that Christ might die before he was crucified, but it was a fear that was unfounded. It was a pagan fear, a fear that was based on the world. Christ made it up that hill. He, there was no chance that he was going to die any other way than the way that he willed to die. But that, don't forget that it's only the divine will 
in him. You know, the body of Christ at this point is not just a zombie being animated by the Spirit of God. He's still alive as a human being. And it's still just willpower that has him going. And that's something to bear in mind as we go through any of our activities in our life, any Calvary that we have to climb, and all of us have to climb Calvary. All of us have to bear our cross, and every step of the way, every station on the way to our own crucifixion is a station of difficulty. There's pain in, even in Veronica, there's certainly pain in the meeting of his mother. Every single station of the cross has a pain associated with it, and all of us pass through those stations on our way to our own crucifixion if we're living the Christian life. But we can do it with the animation of the will of God within us through the willpower that that accompanies a saintly life. And this is the interior life that Father Chattard talks about in his book. By uniting ourselves to the will of God through willpower, even completely broken and destroyed, we can still make it to the crucifixion and we can still die with Christ according to what he wills. And that's really the lesson of Calvary. Is You look at the entire path to the cross and it's an opportunity to go all the way back to Gethsemane again. You know, when we say the way of the cross, most of us think of the stations of the cross. We start with Jesus is condemned to death, takes up his cross, falls the first time, meets his mother, etc., But when you reflect on this mystery of the rosary, you can go all the way back to Gethsemane, to the agony in the garden, and work your way all the way through the Passion. And at all of those points, see what it is that is the animating element of the Passion up to the crucifix. And you'll see in it the same thing that motivates every saint And that can motivate each of us. And there is a, reflecting on our prayer today, actually, there is a severity about it. There's a gravity about it. There's a seriousness about it. And it is a discipline, but it's not a discipline that comes from us. And you read about these saints that could live on the Eucharist and nothing else. Now, there are people that do a five-day, seven-day, ten-day fast how many times did Gandhi fast to death? You know, the human will can do things. But whatever the human will can do, the divine will can go beyond that. And by giving our human will to God, he empowers it to do more wonderful things than even the most disciplined man can accomplish on his own discipline alone. And so as we come to the end of the second week of Advent, we're coming into Garete Sunday as this upcoming Sunday, I think it's appropriate now for us to pray together, all of us, that if we have not been serious, that we turn to seriousness. If we have not been severe with ourselves, that we become severe. And if we have been severe, that our wills should be united to the divine will so that we will not live in this great season of preparation, but Christ will live within us, and that we should not die 
on the hill of Calvary, but that Christ should die, or that we should die with Christ and live with Christ. That we should die. I have that backwards. That we should, that we should not live, but Christ live within us, because we should die, and Christ live through the crucifixion of the self. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The moon is the symbol of Our Lady. The moon is for those in darkness. And I think in a special way for sinners. So that if we but look to her, who is the moon, and derives all light from the sun, they would never fall into an abyss. Now this is the rosary.